today, the message is, is there a God? Is there a God? We're talking about if God exists. Is there a God? And Siri's trying to talk with me at the same time, but no, Siri, you got to relax. All right? I remember that when my, my kids were all small, there's this game that probably all the dads and moms do with the little kids that is called peekaboo. You guys know the, pe- the peekaboo game? All right. I remember that I used to stand in front of them, you know, with my big round smile and face and everything and cover my eyes. And then all of a sudden look at them and say, peekaboo. And you would see them like get happy and get smile and start smiling and all. Like, this is not like a big deal. You know, this is just like, but to them, it was like something like fascinating. It was something like big. It was something like, you know, is he really there? Is he not there? He is there. And they will get all happy. And all you're saying is peekaboo. Well, I think that there's something to that with the heart of man. I think there's something to this fact of understanding that when you find something that is hidden, it causes great joy to us. It causes great joy. It, it, it causes like a, like a satisfaction. There, there, there's something, there's a deep desire inside each human being to find out what really is going on. To find out if God is really real, if God is really there. You know, and I know that those are questions that, that, that many people have today. You know, the other day I was having a conversation and, and I was talking, you know, to some people when, when God revealed himself to me when I was a young person at 18 and, and, and God became so real, you know, because it was in a crazy way. It was in a way that only God could answer. It was a way that only God could show up. And, and to me, God became more real than all you guys that are standing right in front of me. You see, because when, when you go through stuff in life and God shows up and says, here I am in a circumstance, in a situation through people, all you can say is like, Lord, you're real. Lord, you're real. Lord, you are present. And it's amazing because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, if you guys could come with me there. Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. What does that verse say? That those that come to him as what? Must believe that he exists. I have some news for everybody that's here this morning. Okay, the Bible is not a book to explain God or his existence. Listen to what I'm saying. The Bible is not a book to explain God or his existence. The Bible expects for you and I to believe that he exists. Actually, if you go to the Bible, the verse, first chapter, first verse in the Bible. And that first verse, first Chapter in the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No other explanation. Actually, the Hebrew Torah, the Hebrew Bible, doesn't say in the beginning God. It says God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. It starts with the word God. It's there. You got to deal with it. You got to have faith that he is. 
and by faith accept what he's doing and what he's saying. And he challenges us. You see, because I know that we all would like to have proof. You know, how many of you guys like to have proof? Like this morning, all right, when you got into this place, I didn't see any of you guys, okay, walking up to the chair and touching the chair. I'm like, okay, let me see this chair right here. Yeah, let me see, you know, if, if, if this chair is going to hold me if I sit in it, you know, and I, I like putting pressure on it. You know, I didn't see any of you guys like, you know, tippy-toeing into it and like, whoop, whoop, you know, and do like four of those and then finally sit down like, Ah, okay. No, you just came and by faith you hope that that chair will hold you. You know what I'm saying? So that's the way that the Bible expects for us to know God. Just to come to him and believe that he is. Don't have questions in your heart. But I know that all these things pop up a lot of times. You know what the Bible actually says about those that do not believe God exists? I love this verse. It's in Psalm 53, verse 1, and it says, only fools say in their heart, there's no God. Ooh, we're going to start off early this morning, and I still got this service and another one. Only fools say in their heart that there's no God. So if you in your heart at any moment have said, oh, God's not real. God doesn't exist. I'm this, I'm that. You know what the Bible says that you and I are? Fools. Okay, this is the good news. God is not intimidated by the questions that you and I could have. He is not. You could ask all the questions you want to ask. You could have all these issues in your heart. As a church, okay, Numa's not intimidated by the questions. That you have. Me as a pastor, I'm not intimidated now. I might not have the right answer for you at the moment. I, I've had people come to me with some brilliant questions. You know what I've told them? Give me a few days you know, to dive into this, to search it out, to pray about it, and then I'll come back to you, you know. So those are all things, you know, that, 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 that we deal with. But I, I want you guys to understand this, okay. Even if you're here this morning and you have questions about God, you're welcome here. And I want you to know that with all your heart, okay. Because all of us have questions. That's the reality. All of us have questions about stuff. Next week's message, why does God allow pain and suffering? You better get some people up in here. But so many people have walked away from God because of the pain and the suffering that, are, that is in this world. I've had so many people say, Pastor, if God's a loving God, why does he allow this? Why does he allow and Next week we're going to tackle those kind of things. So this is going to be a, a good series just to, to dive in and to get people out and people that have questions. You know, we've all written letters to God, and maybe not literal, but we've all thrown up those prayers. God, if you're real, God, if you exist, hello, <laughs> somebody there? And if you're like me, there's moments that you feel like heaven's like a tin roof, and it's not going past anything. And there's moments that it just flows. Like this morning, it just flows. You know? I told Martha, I don't even know what's going to happen. Today's message, I'm wrecked right up here already. I'm messed up. I don't even know if I can stick to what I have here. Because it's just flowing. But there's moments, you know, the moment that God became real to me is based out of probably the most dangerous, the most dangerous statement that you could say. And that dangerous statement was like, Lord, if you are real, you will get me out of this mess. 
And if you get me out of this mess, I will use the rest of my life to speak about your goodness and to speak to people that you are real. Guess what? That was when I was 18. I'm 43 now. I'm here speaking to you about God's goodness and that he's real. Something happened in my life that he showed up. So if you're here this morning, I challenge you to do that prayer. And you're going to see God start answering. Maybe not at the moment. Maybe not at the time that you want. Oh, but he will answer. And even though we need faith, okay, and the Bible, okay, expects us to believe that he is real and that he exists. He does say some things. The Bible does say some things about the way that God reveals himself. It does say some things about the way that he shows up in our life. So I want you guys to write this down. Once again, maybe it's not for you, but maybe it's for somebody that you need to share this. Number one, one of the ways that God reveals himself is through creation and beauty. That's one of the ways that we know that God is real. Creation and beauty. Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. What proclaims the glory of God? The heavens. This week we were, this weekend we were out camping. Now it was very cloudy, but there's nights that we've been out there in the Everglades. There was one night that we were there in the Everglades. We were telling the kids the other day that, that we were playing manhunt and it was so dark. I mean, it was like pitch black. We were in the middle of the Everglades. You cannot see anything. And we're running around and, and hiding and all. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, for like about five seconds, the sky lit up like it was 12 o'clock noon. And I threw myself on the floor. I'm like, Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. And I'm in the Everglades. I'm not with my family, you know. I'm like, he's here. And you know what it was? It was like a comet or like meteor that just passed by. Literally, all of us just dropped and the sky lit up. Imagine at 10 o'clock at night when everything's pitch black and all of a sudden it turns like it was noontime. And we looked at those things just coming like that. It was like one after the other and we're like, oh. (laughs) Like, ooh. It's like, oh man. It's like, Lord, I ask you for forgiveness for all the sins that I've made in my life. Like, just in case, you know, maybe these are angels that are coming to set up your kingdom. You know, it's like, that's it. We're out, man. I was like, give me a chance to call my wife, you know. It's like, and when we looked at the heavens, guys, you guys have been out there in pure dark, maybe in the ocean. And you look at the stars and you see everything at night. Man, it just talks about God. It talks that there's a creator that's intelligent design behind all that. It says the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Every day they're speaking. Night after night, they make him known. Oh, wow. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. What an amazing verse that is. Romans chapter 1 is another one, verse 19 and 20. It says this, it says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. What has God done? He's made it obvious. He's made it obvious. I've told, you know, my kids, I'm like, it takes more faith to believe in evolution 
than it takes to believe in God. If you're here to tell me this morning that everything happened because there was sort of like a big bang and everything came together, actually that goes against the second law of thermodynamics that everything is going from order to disorder. How did everything in a moment start going from disorder to order? Not even physics explains that. You know what I'm saying? It takes faith to believe that I came from a monkey. All right? And, you know, I was going to say a bad joke. I'm just going to stay quiet with what I was going to say. It just popped through my mind. Lord, keep my mouth according to what you want to say. Parents, how many parents do we have here this morning? Parents, raise your hand. How was it the first time that you carried your child in your hands? First time you carried that child in your hands and you looked into its face, whether it was he was crying or she was crying or happy, whatever it was. When you have that baby in your hands, there's no doubt that there's an intelligent design and that there's a creator behind that little being that you have in your hands. It couldn't just have happened. Everything's so perfect, every little detail. So Romans says, he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky throughout everything God has made. Through what? Through everything God has made. You know that my favorite animal of all the animals is the giraffe? I don't know why, but the giraffe is my favorite animal. And every time I go, you know, to Animal Kingdom and I'm in like that little safari car. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Then the giraffe just walks by and the guy always says the same. There's not one giraffe in the earth that has the same shapes on his back than another giraffe. All of them are different. And I'm like, man, God just took some detail into making everything so different. Look at your hands. Nobody has the fingerprints that you have. If you commit a crime, you know how they find you? Because of your fingerprints. Because they are unique to you. <laughs> Everything that he's made. And they clearly, it says, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You have the pictures that I, that I, that I sent back there. I think I have some pictures. These, these are some crazy pictures. This is from the Hubble telescope. You know that a lot of us have heard about that telescope. They just send it out. That Hubble telescope has been out in space taking pictures, and it sends back pictures of the stuff that it's finding out. And these are some of the things that it's seen. That galaxies, that galaxy right there says it's 25 times bigger than our own galaxy. Look at that. Stars, you know, about... Something, you know, not only space, but things that we see here on earth as well. You see, now for December, my family and myself, we went over to Canada to spend a few days there. And I think we might have a video of that back there, of Niagara Falls, okay? And that video, I was, I was walking, if we could put that, I don't know if you guys do have it. Could give me a thumbs up or, all right. But Niagara Falls, to me, was probably of creation so far in my life, probably one of the greatest wonders and expressions of God I've ever seen. Because I don't know how many, how many million gallons of water are coming down every second. Listen to this, every second, and it doesn't run dry. 
And it's so loud, the sound. to God. And I had tears coming down my eyes saying, Lord, you're so mighty. You're so powerful. You see, the Bible says that his voice is like the sound of many rushing waters. So as I heard that water, I was like, Lord, this is like the sound of your voice. And I would weep and I was like, Lord, you're so real. You're so real. You exist. You are present. And I'm here to tell you something. If you're going through something in your life today that has shattered your faith, I want to give you hope this morning that God is real and that God is present and that if God created the heavens and the earth and these amazing things, he has the power to fix whatever situation you're going through. His arm has not been cut off, the Bible says. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. His majesty is evident, evident, evident. The second thing that talks to us that God exists, one of the ways that he reveals himself, conscience and the sense of right and wrong. Conscience and the sense of right and wrong. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Who, how is that there? How is that inside of us that it's just innate? In each person. Look at what Romans says. Even Gentiles. Gentiles are not the Jewish people, all right? Anybody that is not Jew is considered in the Bible a Gentile. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law, because the Jewish had what? The law of Moses, all right? Even the Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that what they're doing is right. Isn't that an amazing verse right there? Even our conscience is like a law that God has put there to reveal that he's present. And we know the difference between right and wrong. A child, since they're little, they know if they're doing something that is right and wrong. You see, because when they want to do something that is not right, you see all the, 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 the hiding, you know, like they hide and, and they peek to see if the parents are there, if they're not being seen, you know, and then they go ahead and do what they want to do, you know. But a lot of times they don't know that the parent already knows, you know. Maybe they're looking over the counter because they're little, you know. So they're trying to do their thing and you're like looking here like, oh, boy, they don't know that I'm here, you know. And I think God just peeks over. You know, I think God just peeks over into our lives. And like, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the conscience is there. Because if not, you wouldn't act that way. You know, you, you act that way because you know that there's a difference between right and wrong. Look at this quote, all right? This quote that, that, that I found that says something amazing, and I, I can't even say the guy's name because I'm going to really kill if I try to say this guy's name. 
But it says this, if God does not exist, everything is permitted. If God does not exist, then everything is permitted. Everything is allowed. In other words, the fact that we have a sense of right and wrong is an indicator of God that instilled morality into his creation. God instilled what? He instilled morality into us. Number three, write this down, okay? Another of the ways that God reveals himself the small details of life. I love this one. The small details of life. Because that's the way that he conquers me every day. When I see him in the little details. The little details speak about God's existence. Little details speak that God is real. How he weaves things together in such a masterful way. He's weaving our lives Together, let me tell you something. There's no coincidences in this life. God is orchestrating everything. Look what Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31 says. Jesus is speaking and he says, What is the price of two sparrows? These are birds, all right? What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. You imagine that? Right now there's a forest somewhere in the United States, all right, Yosemite or whatever it is. And there's a bird that is falling from a tree because it's time to live. It's done. And God knows that right now. Well, he knows that you and I are here. Not a single sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. All right? Now, some of you, that's not too much of a big deal. All right? Because you don't have too much hair. (laughs) All right? But I love this detail. Listen to this. The Bible says that the hair is numbered, not counted. Because if I count something, I know that that's the amount. And after a while, I'll just lose track. But numbered means that if one hair falls, the Lord says that's number 30,163 that fall right there. Some of you are like, Lord, I wish I had one that would fall. You know, but anyways, (laughs) said he was the one laughing. I'm not accusing anybody, brother. You're laughing by your own over there, man. (laughs) Even the hairs... On your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Wow. If God is so into the details, don't be afraid. If God is so into the details, he's there, he's real, he exists. You see, there was a situation that happened to me. Right before my dad passed away, that God became so real to me. He was already real. But this was just like another affirmation of of his greatness, of his existence, of his detail. You see, for, for many years, my father had sent money to Cuba to try to bring my brothers and sisters from over there. And the times that he did that, the government stayed with the money. And he wasn't able to bring them. And even though I was the only son that he had here in the United States, his mind was really almost always on the, 
on his son and two daughters that were over there. And I remember that when I was little, he sold the house that we lived in to take the money and send thousands of dollars over there. His kids never came. I remember he would play the lottery like crazy. I would find lottery tickets everywhere because he was always trying to hit the big one, you know, people that play lottery like that because he wanted to get his kids over here and couldn't do it. I got to meet my brother and my two sisters in Cuba in 2012. I got to speak to them, and it was a wonderful moment because I got to lead them to forgive my dad because for them, he had abandoned them over there. You see, they were bitter. They were angry at my dad. He left when they were four, six, and eight with the promise of coming back, and he never did. So I understood their pain, but I had them here, and I had them present, but his mind wasn't with me. His mind was with the ones that were over there, and I told them that. So we got to pray together. I led them to the Lord. I led them to forgive my dad. All that was a wonderful blessing. But when my dad got sick and he was in the hospital and he was a few days away from dying, we go to the hospital October 31st and the doctor says he won't make it to the end of the year. And I'm like, doctor, there's only two months to the end of the year. He goes, he won't make it to the end of the year. Like, that is crazy. That is crazy. So I called my family. I told them what was going on. And they reached out to my brothers in Cuba. And my sister over there says, I, I would love to see my dad before he dies. And all this stuff starts going on. And you're not going to believe my dad, okay, goes into a, into a coma. He loses his conscience already. He's bedridden. And I get a call from my aunt in Georgia telling me that my sister is on the way to Cuba, from, on the way from Cuba here to the United States to see my dad. I'm like, how in the world did they do that? Long story short, there's a lot of details into it. All right. Two days before my dad passed away, my sister got to the hospital room. And my dad already was out. And when I told my dad, Daddy, your daughter's here. She came to see you. Your daughter Vivian is here. My dad, all of a sudden from his coma, he woke up. He opened his eyes. And he pushed himself up in the bed. He didn't, his bones, cancer had eaten up his bones already. He pushed up himself in the bed and he, he opened his eyes. And he goes, daughter, give your dad a kiss. And he hugged her. And he just closed his eyes, slid himself back down and went back into the coma. After that whole scene happened, that which I could have filmed a movie for what happened there at the end. You imagine living and being there. When I asked my sister, how did you get here? My dad has been trying to bring you for all my life. All I remember is my dad sending money to Cuba to try to get you here. How did you get here? You know what she told me? Somehow I was able to access the money that dad had sent all those years ago. It was frozen on some account. You imagine that? It was frozen on some account and I was able to access it, buy my plane ticket and get my exit out of Cuba. And that's how I'm here. How? I have no idea. But let me tell you something. God is into the details, church. God is into the small things. God is into the thing that matter. And this is even crazier. The last day that my dad is here on this earth, we're monitoring the screen. And a nurse walks in and she tells me he, he's going to be gone any moment now. 
And we start talking like, well, you know, God gave him his life. I'm thankful, this and that. And my wife and I start talking to that nurse and start leading her to the Lord. And this nurse just starts to open up her heart with us. And we start to tell her, you know what, God is real. He has a plan for your life. And he sent his son Jesus and this and that. And the lady is like, what do I need to do? And I'm like, listen, all you need to do, I can lead you in a prayer right now. And I'm leading her in the prayer. And as I'm leading her in the prayer and we say, amen, we hear, and he flatlined at that moment. And he passed away. Listen to this. If he would have died 10 minutes before, 15 minutes before, I would have never been able to lead that lady to the Lord. But God is into every little detail, into the smallest thing. The moment that she made her prayer and said amen, that's the moment that the machine says, all right, I'm taking him home now. It's over. That's the God that is involved in your life and my life. That's the God that is more real than all of us in this room right now. That's the God that has control of everything. Has not escaped him. The Bible says he's seated on his throne. Worship team could come up. He's on his throne. When did we get so bitter? When did we get so angry? When did we get so hurt? When did we become so frustrated that we even started doubting if he's real or not? He's real. He's real. And I'm not telling you that to convince you. I'm not here in the convincing game. I'm here to speak out the truth. If you want to believe it, <laughs> you believe it. It will change your life. But I'm going to speak the truth. And the greatest way that God reveals himself, all these are wonderful. Creation, consciousness, the small details. But you know that the greatest way that God decided to reveal himself and that he exists and that he's who he is is when he came in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest revelation of God existing. You see, the Bible says in John 1, 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Jesus came here to earth to reveal God, to show that God exists. And there's many proofs. I could go into a whole series to talk about Jesus' existence and that he came here to earth and that he is who he says he was. Everybody that's actually tried to write up an article to say that that was a liar, that he was a lunatic, that he was a false prophet, everybody that's done that, at the end, you know what they've done? They've ended up turning themselves to Christianity and converting to Christ. Josh McDowell is one of those guys. He was an atheist. He was writing his school paper, his dissertation paper, to say that Jesus was a liar. And he wrote a 300-page article that is called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and it's become a best-selling book all over the world. And it's his college dissertation that he was trying to prove that Jesus was not real and he ended up becoming a Christian. Chuck Colson is another guy. He was involved in the whole Watergate scandal with President Nixon. And this guy was in prison and 
In the midst of all that, he's mad at God, mad at the world. He starts studying God, and God, he's trying to say, all oh, this is a liar. I don't, I, I, God doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, he writes these amazing books, and he became one of the greatest apologetics that this world has ever known. An apologetic is a person that defends the faith. The greatest revelation that we have of God's existence is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He came here to reveal the Father. The Son reveals the Father. He said, no one's seen the Father, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I want you to close your eyes this morning. Because I have a question for you. If you've seen Jesus in your life, have you seen Jesus? Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. I want to make sure this morning that you're in this room and you're seeing Jesus. You can see Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about physically as a person there, but in your heart, in your, in your heart's eyes, are you seeing him? Are you seeing him in your life? If you're here this morning and you want to go know God, you need to look at Jesus. As you read the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that invisible God. There were eyes closed. Really believe that the Holy Spirit is sitting in this moment upon your heart, upon your conscience. He's making God real to you right now. If you've been dealing with faith issues, if your faith has been shaken, if you've been doubting, this is the moment where you tell the Lord, Lord, I want to bring my doubts to you. I want to bring my, my challenges to you. I bring them to you because I've been doubting you. And if you're man enough or woman enough in this room, you'll make that prayer, Lord, if you're real. If you are real, show up. Oh, man, and you'll see him show up. So just tell the Holy Spirit, what do you want to tell me this morning? What do you want to tell me this morning? Today, I want to give you the opportunity in this room to surrender your heart to God, to come to him and accept him by faith that you would come to him this morning and first off is for those that have never invited Jesus into their heart to receive them as Lord and Savior that's the first way there's no other way you could come to God Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me so this morning I want to give you the opportunity of coming to Jesus and receiving forgiveness of your sin. I'm not speaking to you about religion because to me this is not a religion. It's a relationship that God wants to have with you and it's his kingdom that he wants to establish. So there with your eyes closed, today you want to make that decision. You're, walking on, you're watching online. You want to make that decision. You repeat with me. Heavenly Father, today by faith I accept that you exist, that you love me, and you have a plan for my life, and that that plan starts with your son, Jesus Christ,
becoming my Lord and my Savior. Repeat this. Today I receive Jesus in my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I ask, Father, that you would forgive me of all my sins and that you would take me up as your son or as your daughter and that from this day forward I could live for you. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit and reveal to me the purpose that you have for my life. And now I want to pray for all those that might have been dealing with this whole thing of God's existence. If you've been questioning God's existence, I want to pray for you this morning. Can you raise your hand if you've been questioning that in your heart and you feel that today's message is, you know what? is challenging that and affirming your heart of who God is and who he says he is. Just keep your hands raised. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those that are raising their hands this morning, Lord God, in their hearts. Those people, Lord God, that need to affirm their faith in the truth, God, that you are who you say you are, that you exist. And by faith, we accept it. We might not know every detail. We might not know everything. But Lord, we see the creation that you've made. Lord, we have the conscience that you've given us. Lord, we see the small details that you work in our life. And Lord, we know that you revealed yourself through your son, Jesus. And today we embrace the truth that you are here and you are real. And that you love me and you have a plan for my life. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. And let me live for the plans and the purposes you have every day. In Jesus' mighty name. And as people say, amen, amen, and amen. Let's put our hands together for God.